Hola mis lobos, bienvenidos. Welcome, my name is Jasmine Wolf and you are listening to Talking in Latina, the podcast where we talk about the latest chisme, escándalos, and opening up to expanding your city directory. So sit back while you're either going all the way up to Polito, hanging out at the beach in Vespucci, going on a hike up Mount Chiliad, or just the comfort of your home, wherever that may be in Latina. And welcome back to another episode of Talking in Latina. My name is Jasmine Wolf, and this week I actually have a very, very special guest uh, that I've been looking forward to for the longest time. And I feel like, you know, in reality, she doesn't want to be here, but I dragged her here because it, it's a, it's a, it's mandatory for her. And this is my mama, Christina Kane. Hi, how are you? Hey, sweetheart. I, I never said that I didn't want to be here. It's just that I'm nervous to be here. I mean, I, I totally understand, you know, that nervousness. But every single time I always brought it up to you and I always told you when you're going to be a part of it or you're going to be a part of it. You always were just like, here we go again. Jasmine doing some other fucking stupid thing. And she's just going to drag me into it. Because let's be honest. I feel like out of all people here in Los Santos, I've dragged you into more shit than and probably anyone else has. I mean, dragging me, probably, but I mean, I'm the one that drug you into the city, so I guess it's only fair. That is true. Um, If, you know, for everybody who's listening, who loves this podcast or loves me, you know, not, not trying to sway in any other way, but you guys have to thank her. For the reason why I am here, because if it weren't for her, y'all would have never met me. Let's be honest. Yep, it's my fault. Yeah, yeah you can uh, you can drag me uh, on Twitter if you it's want. Your uh, fault. After you meet her. <laughs> um, it's not. You know, I feel like it's a privilege if people meet me. To be honest, because I mean, who wouldn't want to know this Latina Jasmine Wolf? I mean, I, I tend to agree. I don't know. I don't know anyone who wouldn't, but there's, you know, there's always the 10th dentist and whatnot. I guess. I guess. But I mean, enough about me. This is about you. Everybody's probably like, okay, Jasmine is calling her her mama, all this and that. And they're probably like, okay, maybe, maybe Jasmine's comfortable, but we don't even know who this person is. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Who is Christina Kane? Uh, my name is Christina Kane. I am uh Jasmine's semi-adoptive mom. It's it's not legal, but she calls me mom, and uh, I've kind of referred to her as my daughter for a while now. So, um, I am a supervisor with Mount Zona Medical Center for the psychology department. Uh, you may. Rarely, mind you, but you may see me out and about town driving an Albany Lurcher. It's uh, about midnight blue, has blue smoke for the tires, it has a like a crow and skull livery on it. Um, Which I mind you is a fucking fucking thought, but keep going. A what? <laughs> it's a thought. Your car. It's just, it's something. What what do you mean a thought like a like a like an actual like T H O T or like <laughs> no not a thought like T H O T it's like a thought like T H O U G H T like oh okay is that is that a thing no now? a thought is you but <laughs> the car was also a thought oh okay uh, I mean I'll I'll look that up later <laughs> so I feel like. Well, a lot of people don't know, obviously, but I've known you for a really, really long time. And I feel like from the moment that I met you, okay, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. The first time I met you, I was actually pretty intimidated by you because in context for everybody to know, um, this was around the time where I decided to use my medical expertise to become um, at the moment, the city that we were in, it was Pillbox Medical Center. Um, but I decided to use my knowledge and expertise to be a part of the team. And were you chief 
at that time or were you close to being chief? I forgot. I was, I believe when you came around, I was probably chief of surgery at that time. That was before <laughs> Charlie stepped down from medical director. Yes. So, yes. Okay. Now that, that makes sense. You were chief of surgery and once Charlie stepped down, then you were chief. Of yeah, the that's when I stepped in to be. Why can't I? I keep wanting to say medical examiner for some reason. <laughs> no, I think medical you, director. Yeah, medical director. There you go. Yeah, I, I like in all honesty, um, I feel like it was just kind of you were like one of the first people I met um, at that time. So like I didn't know anybody, but um, it was it was pretty intimidating just because I. I mean, I practiced medicine for a while by the like previously before that, but then I don't, I kind of felt like it was different a different intensity, uh, when I came around, uh, just because it was just kind of like it's new. I don't really know anybody, but then at the same time, it was just kind of like your, because like I feel like you you are very kind and you're easily easy to get along with as you get to know. But at the same time, you also have that intimidating, like, personality, if anyone has ever told you. But I feel like it's just because of how, not serious, but how your tone is. Has anybody ever told you that? I have had people tell me that, and I'm not I'm not sure why that's a thing, and I'm not sure how to fix it. Like, I'm, I'm, I swear I'm not trying to be intimidating to most people. I mean, I feel like it's just probably... I, I mean, I've always known you to be like this, which is why I was just kind of like, I mean, it never really caught me by surprise. But at the same time, I was just kind of like, once I got to know you and I got to be around you for more and more time, like, uh, I realized why everybody loved you in the sense of like, you know, I, I, and I feel like this is why I probably call you mom is because you have that, that kind of not demeaning tone but like that like parent tone like you shouldn't be doing that but then you know i i am always gonna fucking do it you know well i mean i do mother hen you based on some things i mean i i guess i earned the title like you it's earned, everything but legally adoption at this point yeah i mean you did earn the title but then it was also forced upon you because you kind of didn't have a choice i i just said you know what this is it. You're my mother. And then I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have fought. I didn't fight it. So. Oh, you didn't. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But then also, uh, yeah. I I guess you didn't fight it. You just kind of slowly embraced it. And then after a while, then you're like, I regret doing this because then you realized uh, how how my <laughs> how my life uh, is. <laughs> I I have never okay. The only time I've ever regretted it is when you very poignantly try to get me to stop smoking. That's the only time I've ever regretted. Okay, but okay, but here's the thing though. Think about it. Like smoking is bad for you. I've already told you this so many times. You yes. Know, there's there's I, other listen. there's other ways to deal with your stress, you know? You know, whether it be doing yoga or listening to music, um, doing a podcast, um, going to the beach, you know, there's, oh, you know, being obsessed with cars, you know, having a car addiction, having a shopping addiction, you know, with clothes, but then you chose cigarettes. Well, let's see. First, first of all, when I started smoking at 16, I didn't have the money for a shopping addiction or, God forbid, a car addiction. But you had, an, you had enough money for cigarettes. I mean, cigarettes are cheap. You know, they you only know, sell them at the corner store like a quarter a stick. And they don't card you if you're just buying a stick. If you try to buy a whole pack, they'll card you. But, but, but at least, you know, back then. I guess here's my question, though. It's like... It's like, okay, you're a doctor, you know, and then you're just like, oh, you know, don't do this because you're going to fucking die. It's like mm -hmm. the same thing. It's like, don't fucking smell because you're going to fucking die. But then you're just like still doing it. I, listen, I am really, <laughs> I'm readily willing to admit that I give out advice that I 
can't take. <laughs> that's like, true. It's, that's true. it's that thing that's like, I lead others to a treasure I cannot possess. I give others advice that is sound and makes sense, and I can't follow it myself. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. That's I feel like that's the same with me. It's just like, I, I, I tell them what, you know, I wish I could tell myself. And, you know, things that I, you know, wish I could easily do myself. Like, for example, it's just kind of like, if you're in a bad relationship, I'm easy to say, like, no, you know, like, get out of it. Like, you are worth more and stuff like that. But then you saw me, you know, I, like, one thing that I tend to struggle with a lot is relationships, you know. And uh, you have seen my fair share of poor relationships overall <laughs> i mean they're good in some point like you know at, in some ways they're good but you know they've always ended poorly um but it's just kind of like seeing like i'm good at giving relationship advice but i can't take it you know like i can't i i don't know how to successfully have a relationship myself uh yeah um i have seen the kinds of guys that you bring around and that's not to say that all of them are bad um they all usually have at least one or two redeeming qualities or you know they just are gonna ask to have a threesome with you you know we can talk about that a little bit later you want (laughs) to i assume you want them to get to the middle of this like now that you brought that up now that i brought it up we'll bring it up but yes okay (laughs) yes no, but okay, kind of going back a little bit, you know, obviously, um, you know, we had our our huge, you know, experience, we had our huge relationship, you know, bonding as mother, you know, daughter, or, you know, being, what were you, like, director, medical director, to, what was I, chief of surgery for, like, a couple weeks? You became my chief of surgery. No, it was more than a couple weeks. (laughs) You were my chief of surgery for about a month or two. A month or two, yeah, until I evaporated from the mist and just became non-existent for a bit. Um, I'm pretty sure you were still chief of surgery when I ended up stepping down from the medical director role. No, I actually didn't. I, I stepped down... I want to say I stepped down, um, bef- like a little bit before you stepped down, because I remember. Okay, um, and I feel like this is where like people get our relationship a little bit, but it's. I remember we were having a meeting with all the medical staff, and you brought up the fact that you that I was uh chief of surgery, but I wasn't even uh helping like i wasn't even uh available if that makes sense um you're like you brought it you brought up this like uh this like little comment basically saying like oh you know you guys have your chief of surgery even though she doesn't she's not doing anything like but it's just because i was busy like doing other stuff and so after that, I was just like, you know what? That's fine. Like, I can just. I, I mean, I would have said it jokingly. Don't make it sound like I was trying to drag you or nothing. No, 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 no. Not dragging. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, um, kind of get a context of like our relationship because we, we tend to, you know, be rude to each other, but in like a, a very friendly way. You get what I mean? Like, so it's just kind of like yeah. you dragged me in the fact that like, oh, you know, I wasn't doing anything so So yeah i just i want it i want it set that i don't look like such a bitch for saying that (laughs) no 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 yeah 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 you're you're not a bitch because like here's the other thing also is like i I say a lot thing a lot of things to you that you know will make me seem like i am such a horrible person but it's like out of love you know but um and then after that that's when i was just like to be honest they need someone who's actually available um physically and emotionally so i was just like it's okay and i feel like that's when i stepped down but then i feel like when i stepped down that's when i moved away um because i was just it wasn't like i was there like it's not like i was doing other stuff you know around the city um it was just kind of like uh physically i just wasn't available to do anything and then that's uh-huh. when i was just like you know what i'm just gonna leave 
which was really sad because I felt like that was a. I feel like that was like when I left, I felt like it was the end, but I didn't want it to be the end, which is why I was very fortunate to have received an email from you to come into this city. Yeah. But before I even came around to terrorize you again, you you were here for a while. You're I feel like you've been here for a really long time, correct? Um, I believe it's six months in the next two weeks. Six whole months. I've been here for like what, three, four months? I don't even know at this point. But what did you do without me here? How how was your life? I smoked my heart's content. <laughs> <laughs> but did you get into like medical? Like how was like how was it transitioning to to the city? Like did you have any issues? Like what was your game plan? Uh, I mean, I didn't really have any issues. Uh, I showed up because I was looking for a new home. I had the medical experience. I showed up to pillbox and literally nobody was there so i was kind of confused and when i found out that they had uh opened mount zona i was ecstatic because everywhere i've ever been i have been pushing and pushing for mount zona to be opened in lieu of that dirty motel pillbox and so i went down there and i applied and went through the residency program and kind of just did what i did every other time just went nose to the grindstone, but this time instead of you know having a team of like three, including me, it was it was a full support team of doctors, nurses, EMTs. The jobs were actually split instead of one you know one person doing. Uh, I guess from boat to plate is not a good uh, analogy, but like you know where we came from, it would always be. You get a call, you hop in the ambulance, you go pick them up, you bring them back. If they need surgery, you do the surgery, and then you release them. So, like, from start to finish, you were the main, you were the point of contact constantly. But here, call comes in, somebody else goes to get them, and then drops them at the door, and then you bring them in to do the surgery, the treatments, and then release them from there. So you feel like there Uh, was uh, more, more support for medical, but not only that, but there was actual, there was an actual structure to the medical department there was the structure that i always wanted to bring about when i was in charge but we never had the numbers to do so i was extremely excited to see if what i had always envisioned would work how i hoped it would and i would say it absolutely does and did yeah i feel like i feel like um i mean i haven't had my medical experience here because um, as everyone knows, like, uh, I, it's kind of like, I've done real estate, I've done, I've like been a doctor, I've done all of that, you know, and, you know, I do have that option eventually, so that if I want to use my medical, like, license, I can definitely apply to Mount Zona and, you know, have experience with this medical department, but from my experience with medical departments from the past, I feel like it's it's always a struggle getting people, but one thing that I feel like when you like were emailing me or just having like you know that that form of convincing, you always did say that you know Mount Zona did have like a um a good or a, rather a strong medical structure for like departments, whereas you know kind of like I said and before and. You know i've seen it it's it's always difficult to get people to to come around i will say that um of all the people that i've worked under and with uh including myself as the boss dr martindale is probably the best one i have ever worked under in terms of like overall chief of medicine type individual She's been really good about getting the word out, getting the recruiting, taking care of her workers. So, Dr. Martindale, if you're hearing this, uh, it's time for Christina to get a raise, okay? Listen, I just got a promotion, like, (laughs) last week, earlier this week. I don't don't need another one already. So, what was your promotion? 
what what did you jump from to i think well i think you mentioned it actually you got supervisor is that correct right i was just a a a psychologist and then i silently became a psychiatrist with a uh, license to prescribe medicines and then uh when one of our supervisors dr rita mcneil uh, step down. I was asked to become the new supervisor of the department, and I accepted. That is so exciting. I feel like uh, you always had that kind of. It's like I say, it's, I feel like it's just like the tone of like you know. I feel like it's like that professional tone, you know, in some sense. But uh, I always, I mean, I've always also seen you in a you know higher up position, but. It's just kind of like I'm kind of glad and proud that you're back in like a higher position because I feel like you you definitely have that, you know, vision to to lead a team. I appreciate it. Um, I will say that coming into this city, getting back to an administrative position was not actually my goal. My goal was to just kind of, you know, I, every time beforehand I took an administrative position because our lack of numbers and my experience just meant I kind of rose to the top. So with this one, with a, with a complete team, I was happy to just kind of do the actual medical work and not go into administration. But part of my wanting to help everybody includes wanting to help out my team. And, you know, if, if offered, I will take the position because I feel like I do have something to give in terms of helping the others in the department. Yeah, and 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 the interesting thing here is that um, you're doing psych, which is not something that I've seen you do before. So how has that been different for you? Psych has always very low key been one of my uh, passions, and I I did do a couple therapy sessions before but we just never had the people to support me having an actual psych department. Um, yeah, I can definitely here. see that. Because I, like, I feel like in order for you to have a psych department, you also have to have, you know, I, I feel like if, how do I say this? I feel like you need to have the people to be, you know, medical in order for you to even considering like consider to have a psych department because i feel like that requires you to have you know different like more people so it's like you need your initial group but then you also like in order for you to do a psych department you have to have that strong foundation in order to make another department right i i will without giving any like specific details or anything i our entire department is extremely busy and I could not imagine trying to balance my appointments with also trying to fit in surgeries. I don't think that without, we, we definitely could not have a SAC department without the strong emergency department that we have in terms of surgeries and specialties that take care of the frontline patients and also help refer patients with mental illnesses to us so that we can give them the help they need as well without them we wouldn't be able to run the sack department because we would have way too much on our plates to be able to properly assess our our patients that have uh the mental illnesses yeah and that's why our medical department here in the city is fucking bitching that's all i gotta say I've received, you know, medical care, and I always feel like every single time I have to go into Mount Zona because either I fucking light myself on fire because I'm trying to do a photo shoot with Sally or because I end up, you know, not putting on my seatbelt by accident or, you know, other medical issues that you know, have around, have arisen, you know, uh, I always feel like every single time I go to Mount Zona, it's always busy. It is. I, I can say from the, let's see, I did about two months of emergency work here and it's the busiest I've ever seen in an apartment. Um, especially the early evening shifts. 
uh, it would not be uncommon on some nights to see. We have, I want to say, at least 13 separate beds in the emergency room. And I can't count on two hands in the two to three months that I worked there before I transitioned to SAC how many times we had all of those beds full due to just multiple casualty incidents happening at the same time. Yeah, and I feel like it's probably because, like, uh, we have a huge population that um, it's it's really easy to see those those bets filled, you know. And so I feel like that's another. I feel like now, like, kind of as a you know someone, you know, as a citizen in Los Santos, I feel like um, it's like we all need to understand that. You know, sometimes, you know, there's not a lot of people, you know, on duty actively. And if you are, you know, you know, you're at max capacity in the the ER and people are rushing and stuff like that, you know, don't take it too personal. You know, I kind of feel like you we we got to we got to appreciate those moments that we have with our doctors because of how busy most of them are, you know. Right. Um, I agree. And I, I know it can be, you know, nobody wants to be hurt and have to go into Mount Zona and be treated. And a- another unfortunate side effect is, is the waiting around when you are hurt. You know, unfortunately, we can only hire people that have medical degrees. Nothing against any other position in the city, of course. But when we have to be that selective it means that our numbers are always going to be lower than somebody who is uh like a like a mechanic shop or mm-hmm. uh one of the auto sale places like Mosley's or um LSC uh and i know that being hurt is probably 10 times worse than trying to find somebody to buy a car because you kind of just don't have a choice in that situation you have to get patched up or your night's going to be ruined so True. Uh, I mean, it it can be difficult, and I've I've been on both sides, so I I understand the frustration of waiting on somebody, and we appreciate anybody who gives us the patience while we have, well, you know, because at at any given point, even if we have 10 doctors, nurses around, it only takes two, one to two mass casualty incidents where we have 20 patients come in to just gum up the works completely. Yeah. And we, we unfortunately don't have the numbers where we can just be like, Hey, we need everybody all hands on deck right now to come in and wake up and come take care of these people. Um, so I, I understand the frustration I do. And we appreciate the patience when we're able to get it. Yes. So, um, transitioning from like this to psychiatry, um, I feel like you're always busy with psych, but um, is it busy because of how many patients or is it busy because there isn't just enough people to evaluate all the people, like all the patients? Like what, like what, what's your insight on that? It's both. Um, I know for a fact, Anytime I'm awake and put out my ad, it's almost guaranteed at least one or two new people are going to reach out to me before I, if I'm awake for an entire shift, at least one person, maybe two new people are going to reach out to me um, regarding getting an appointment. As well as anytime you go into Mount Zona and request mental assistance, then they fill out a referral form for you that links back to our emails as well. with that being said, uh, we our, our department, because not only do you have to have uh, medical training, you also have to be I- at least able to get a SAC certification or degree. That being said, our department only consists of about six or seven doctors total right now. And I know for a fact, just not giving any hard numbers, because I haven't counted in a while, but I Hmm. have about 25 separate patients, give or take, that I currently oversee. And anytime I put out my ad, we add another one or two. And they may come in for a one-time visit. They may become a a 
you know, weekly patient of mine and they might go to a different doctor's care. But uh, I know that we still have some people on the referral form list that I need to go ahead and reach out to. But it's a combination of both. We have quite a handful of patients and we are lacking in terms of sack doctors. Wow, that's actually interesting. Because I feel like now I feel like one of the, I guess, good things, though, about psych is that it's not like an everyday you know, you see the same people, I feel like, because a lot of them, from my understanding, is that people can have, you know, by, you know, monthly appointments. Is that correct? Or, like, monthly appointments. So it's not like, um, you know, like, you're busy because of the amount of patients, but it's also nice because you don't see them often. Is that correct? It depends. Um, I give my appointment. I have a calendar with self-scheduling appointments where you just fill in your information, what time slot you want. And uh, if you're new, I prefer you put why I'm seeing you. And I tell people they can, as long as they're not on a time sensitive medication that's important to their mental health, then they're free to make an appointment as often as they wish. Some people make them weekly, some make them bi-weekly, some make them monthly, some make a single appointment, we come in and talk, and then I don't see them again, which that's completely up to them. You know, if they feel like one appointment was all they needed, I'm I'm not going to track them down and say, hey, we need to talk again soon. The only time I try to mother hen is when they have uh, a medication that they need to be taking to make sure that... um their mental stability is kept in check. But yeah. otherwise, um, it's just up to the patient uh, in most cases how often they want to get together and discuss things. Yeah, and I feel like that's understandable because it's kind of like your job isn't, I guess, about you. It's about them in the long run and making sure that at the end of the day they are okay, um, which... I mean, that kind of brings me into the next thing. It's like, how how do you make sure that you're okay? Because I feel like, you know, I, you know, with my friends or stuff like that, you know, obviously they tell me their problems. But with your job, you're like, that. that's what you do. You know, you hear people's, you know, problems. You hear what people are going through. Um, which, you know, without giving any context, so, you know, because of HIPAA and everything, I know that um, it. You've. I'm pretty sure you've heard things that, you know, has been harsh or upsetting or you know things that are. It's it's hard for people to talk about on you know just a regular basis. So it's just kind of like how how do you take care of yourself and your mental you know your mental health. Uh an old adage that only really gets used around the psych community is who therapizes the therapists? And it's a fantastic question because we don't really tend to sit down with other therapists and go through sessions like patients do with us. So I, I, it, it makes me fall back further on the, bad habit of smoking which is bad for me physically and but it's a de-stressor and it's the best way i've found to relieve stress um i tend to bury myself in work because i enjoy my work i enjoy what i do and i enjoy helping people but i can't say that i take care of my mental health the way i take care of everybody else's which is just a byproduct of me being who i am there was one point uh, I was doing sessions and then like somebody asked me, you know, they we had finished the session. They said, so what do you usually do for fun? And I was like, that's a fantastic question. I sat back like after they left, I sat down and thought about it. And I realized that outside of taking patients from Parsons to Zona, from Zona back to Parsons, or leaving Parsons to go to Zona to meet with a patient who wanted to meet there for whatever reason, 
I hadn't left the rehabilitation grounds to do anything in like six weeks. Yes, and I, I, I personally know that because <laughs> I feel like every single time I want to talk to you or hang out with you, it's always a struggle. I've so, tried to send you my appointment calendar so you can pencil yourself in to hang out, but you you, just, you seem to just kind of pop up when you want. <laughs> I pop in left and right, up and down, just because, you know, I know that you're always busy, but it's just kind of like I I can definitely secondhand, you know, vouch that it's, it's difficult. Um, or rather, you know, you... It's hard for me to get you to get out of your routine to, you know, see you or, you know, update you on my life, you know, personally. Right, because uh, unfortunately, it'll, it'll be like, I had a patient, and, and this happens more than once. Like, I don't even have to be specific. I'm talking with a patient, and then before that session is done... I would get a call or a text or an email saying, this is an urgent matter we need to get taken care of as soon as possible. And I'd already agreed to meet you, but then I have to push it back. And then just so on and so forth until four hours have passed and one of us is going to bed. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there's been multiple instances where we've agreed to meet and then it doesn't happen until like a week later. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, we're just like, more than, oh, I would say that's more the norm at this point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And <laughs> and I feel like it's always so funny because it's always I feel like in those moments, sometimes I'm just like, oh, my God, you know, I met someone and I want my mom, you know, to meet them or, oh, my God, this is what's going on. Or like, oh, I want to do this podcast. I want to talk to her about it. Or I, you know, just just like little things. And I feel like <laughs> more more times than not. By the time that we meet, it's either like the relationship didn't work out or we're far too deep in the podcast or, you know, time has gone, you know, too, too much that the, the, or the original news that I want to tell you doesn't even matter anymore. And it's, it's again, you know, just saying like how, how busy, you know psychs or just doctors can be like i swear that you when when you were planning to ask me to come on this podcast you were watching twitter because the minute i posted a good morning tweet i got a text from you saying what are you doing don't get into anything we have to talk <laughs> i hadn't even left my apartment yet and i was like all right all right get over here before i get inundated it's true because it's kind of like i said like I have to, I have to pull you because it's either, you know, either I, I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to be able to tell you or you're going to find out without me telling you, which would have been upsetting because it's just kind of like, I feel like you're one of the people that I am the most open to. If not, I tell everybody, you know, I say everything to you because it's just kind of like we've developed that relationship where it's kind of like it's unusual not to tell you you know i mean we have been through a lot together yes and almost a threesome i'm just kidding not with you but with <laughs> no. your fiance no so do, do you want to i guess do you want to say that story or do you want me to say it or i guess um, i guess we can both say it because i feel like i feel like if anyone wants to know how 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 deep our relationship from mother to daughter is um this is this is definitely a story to to tell but in context um ooh this was a long time ago to be honest um so i at the time was um i was dating what was he um i'm not going to say any names or anything but was he he wasn't a he was was he a sergeant i uh, i don't know shit about no, officer he, he, ranks he was an he was an officer to be honest and um one thing off to the next and you know we kind of hit it off we started talking and everything and he was very flirtatious and 
um it just you know it, it just hit off very well it, i feel like it was one of like the the fastest kind of <laughs> i mean it was really fast but um i felt like it was one of like the it was one of the moments where it just it it just hit you know like it just clicked really really quick um which it was a red which should have been a red red flag right there but um obviously like with time um you know he he met my mom and everything but there was a moment um where i don't know where was i did I, I don't even know you, you were probably not even awake or you were down at pillbox because you had told me to take a night off. Maybe. I don't even know how. I don't even know how I was like, even, you know, there. I think it was probably, I th it was most likely a night that I just wasn't available or I wasn't even around. But... I mean, you probably weren't going to go to the Vanilla Unicorn with your mom anyways. Hell the fuck no. Because um, that is awkward as fuck. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but then I'll let you take over. <laughs> uh let's see. I had just gotten out of a bad relationship with you know who. Yes. And I went to the vanilla unicorn oh, yes. to I remember I remember now. I, you remember I now? yes, I wasn't available um that day and I remember he telling me that he wanted he wanted to to be there for you um because i wasn't around but okay keep going so we went to the vanilla unicorn and i went there by myself i don't want to say like i don't want it to sound like i went there with him i went there by myself i honestly can't remember if he showed up later or after i was leaving but uh there was one particular blue-haired stripper and i thought we had hit it off and we were gonna go hang out now granted like you said this is this has been a long time ago so some of the details are a bit fuzzy to me at this point but he came in at some point and was trying to wingman for me mm -hmm. and somehow yep, yep. it ended up like we all three ended up back at my place in vinewood yeah and uh, before I knew what was happening, like you said, he, he was wanting to have a threesome. And I was like, first off, you're engaged to my daughter. Secondly, I'm lesbian, so that ain't going to happen. And so after all that happened, I said, you know, the hell with this. I ended up leaving those two at my house and going back and clocking in to just take my mind off of things because... I want to say that was probably one of my lower lowest points. <laughs> it was probably uh, my lowest just in point general. Too, let's be honest. <laughs> I feel like I feel like when that whole situation happened, it was when I recently. It was when I. I feel like it was when I recently divorced. You weren't even married to him. Like he. No, he proposed. But, you accepted the engagement. Yes, but I remember. Um, because I moved and and here's like context again, but I was I was married and then I divorced and then I moved into the city. And I then, keep forgetting about that, I'll yes, be honest with you. Yes. Um for everyone in context, I was I was previously married to someone. Um but yes, I went through divorce. And um, I believe he was one of the, I believe he was actually the first person that I dated after that whole marriage um, because it was, it was a really, really hard one that, um, it was a really hard one that I went through, but um, yeah, it was, he was crazy. He was crazy. He didn't, he didn't tell me about the threesome um, at all. It was actually Christina who told me, um, but yeah, he was, he was something else. Yeah. Uh, he had his own fair share of problems. Yeah. At the end like, of the day. 
He could he could have used some psych help, but we didn't have a department for that. We didn't have to see what happens. Uh, everybody in Los Santos, when you know our medical department doesn't have enough people to run a psych department, all those psych patients run around unmedicated, and this that's, is a prime example. Listen, listen. That's that's not what his problem was. He was just kind of sleazy. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. disparage the name of our uh, patients by <laughs> some comparative day. No, he he was far too gone. He was he was he was something else. Oh my god! Um, and that was one of the. I feel like that's one of the times. I feel like the same thing with you. It was probably one of my lowest lows. Um, uh, I want to say I I, I want to say I'm happy that I didn't even entertain the idea, but just to, that it got to that point that night. I'll say it's like probably one of my lowest points in my life. Yeah, unfortunately, but I mean, I feel like that brought us even closer. Like you, not me and him, but you, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to believe so. I mean, because um, we were just like, I feel like, I feel like that whole entire time it was just that. I feel like that's where we we got really close because it was just kind of like, uh, it was more of just laughing at the whole situation rather than, you know, like talking about yep. it. So, I mean, you and I would go up to uh, the roof of Hellbox and uh, we'd share a joint. And each have one earbud in listening to Lana Del Rey and just kind of talk. Yes. Ah, those moments, I miss them definitely. But, like, even then, you also... <laughs> I remember that time where um, you wanted to get married. <laughs> and I didn't even know I was getting married until I showed up to Pillbox and everybody was there. And... <laughs> And I told you I needed I needed an escape, and I remember you took me to your house. Yep, I took you to my house. Uh, we hid you away. Uh, God, I want to say it was for at least was, like an hour, hour and a half before you found us. <laughs> I was, yep, I was a runaway bride. Um, without me even knowing that I was gonna be a bride, but I don't know. It's crazy. Like I said, Christina and I have have gone through have gone through a lot to be honest, and I feel like our bond our bond is probably. Is is honestly one of my strongest bonds with anybody else. Um, oh yeah, same here. Because of the crazy things that we go through, or the crazy, I feel like the crazy things that we've seen, and you know, as work like working together as doctors, <laughs> um, and you know, my life, your life, and just going through everything, it was just kind of like. I feel like all the everything that we that we went through was what you know forced us because it's just like i feel like we have so many stories that if we tell someone they're not gonna believe oh yeah for sure i mean i i was engaged a couple months ago and i would say that i despite how close i felt to them and how much i enjoyed them i don't feel like i was as close to them as i am to you yes and that's why if uh i were a lesbian we would have definitely gone married um, but you're well, mom. I mean, <laughs> you, the first time you called me mom, that was off the table. <laughs> that was saying like immediate... West Virginia. Or <laughs> that was immediately not gonna happen. Yep, right. <laughs> but that all being said, now we're here, and I guess the big thing now is what's next for you? Well, um. I am recently single again, and my most recent ex, we ended on good terms. Uh, she's the only one who's ever actually broke it up with me in person, so that was a, oh a big <laughs> positive. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, she helped me realize that by stowing myself away in persons for so long, my yeah. social anxiety had redeveloped to mm -hmm. a critical point and one of the last things she said before we kind of parted was i hope because i told her i'm going back to parsons she, she said i hope you don't hide yourself away in there because there's people in the city that could use your light and i personally don't want to think i'm egotistical enough to believe that but 
it did make me realize that I probably need to continue working on getting back to comfortable with talking to people in public areas that aren't by appointment. Yeah. So I am trying to get out to larger, like medium scale events. Like I was most recently at the singles night at cockatoos. And (gasps) despite it being absolutely petrifying, I talked to a couple people I didn't know. So I'm, that is probably what's next for me is small to medium scale events where I can join, like come in, hide along the wall, talk to a couple people, and then sneak away when I've hit my admittedly low threshold and work on getting back to comfortable with just spontaneous contact with people. Yes, and I I feel like that's what's um I feel like that's I'm I'm very proud and I'm very excited for that because how many times have I told you <laughs> to um get out and do more stuff? Which I mean, I feel like I feel like it's more easy said than done because it's just kind of like again, and I feel like that's one of the things that um kind of like obviously not bringing promotion to my podcast but i feel like that's one of the things that my podcast has um been you know promoting or opening eyes is that there is life out of your routine and whether it's kind of like i always say whether your life is in Polito or sandy or grocery or you know rockford hills you know there is more out there than to just what your routine is and i feel like that's one of the things that I have been pushing for is to get um get those ideas out and pushing people to you know being more I guess available and open to you know events or uh you know talking to others or getting to know people that they necessarily wouldn't come across all the way Right, and uh, the way I cloister myself behind the lock gates of, of Parsons these past three months, there's not a very high likelihood you would have come across me. Exactly, but that's also being said, if you are listening to this podcast right now, I want you to go out there and, you know, meet someone or get Christina out of Parsons. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> how how upset are you gonna be if random people start getting me out of Parsons more than you are? <gasps> to be honest, I would. I'm gonna. You know. You know. And like sometimes in like those videos or stuff like that, where you see like the people conversating, and then there's that one person that's in like next to the tree, like peeking at the conver, like you know that conversation. I'll yeah. probably be me, but then I'll probably have that like that de- like devilish smirk saying, "I caused that," you know. So, so you're like that picture of that large gentleman who's wearing like a mustard colored jacket, who's like rubbing his hands and licking his lips behind yes, the tree. Yes, because it's like I, Jasmine Wolf, did that. <laughs> but then I'll also be, you know, having a tear because I'm just like, oh, where I I pushed you to hang out with me so many times that you know so many people that now you don't have time for me. Even that will again. never be the case. <laughs> you just need to schedule yourself on my appointment calendar. Ah. True. It's just easier that way. Because <laughs> then you're like, I'm not available. <laughs> yeah, I can be like, oh, I'm I'm supposed to hang out with her. Yes. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess we can make that happen. We can make that happen. <laughs> so one, uh, so two, two more segments, um, left for this podcast, but. These are, these are fun ones. This is kind of a great way to wrap this up. So obviously we're in October and October is all about, you know, Halloween for me at least. And I love horror and everything. I love gruesome shit. Um, I'm very passionate about witches, but um, Jonathan and I were kind of talking about it and we're, we, we kind of brought up this question of, what is the worst or more most gruesome way to kill someone? So the question okay. pops up to you. And I guess I'll tell you 
what Jonathan and Jonathan and I brought up last time because I need to come up with a new one, but um, just so that you know, I guess you don't repeat it. So hopefully they didn't take it, but um, mine was sticking a bunch of IVs in someone and just letting them bleed out. That's a good one. Yeah, I feel like that one's a really really good one. I oh my god, I'm trying to remember Jonathan's. And I feel like I totally just drew a brain fart because I can't remember his. But I remember it was it was definitely a good one. But what is yours, I guess? So there's certain sedation techniques that will leave a person conscious but unable to move, generally used when you're forced to intubate somebody so that they don't uh, shift too much and the air could be pushed directly in their lungs and back out and be literally forced to breathe. Yes. Um, so if you do one of those sedation techniques, they can't move, but they'll be conscious and awake the entire time. Uh, take them out to the pier. Uh, take them on a boat into the middle of the lake, middle of the ocean, whatever you prefer. Um, attach a couple of uh, cinder blocks to their legs and put an oxygen mask attached to a tank that would hold about hour and a half's worth of oxygen let them sink to the bottom they'll be down there sedated completely fully conscious and breathing knowing that they only have a certain amount of oxygen left and they aren't going to die but they're not going to they're they're going to die but they're not going to die instantly they're going to have that psychological torture for the rest of their remaining <gasps> oh no oh my god that is so bad it's so good like, yep, and imagine... they wouldn't be found until they decomposed and kind of their legs broke away and their legless torso would flip to the surface. Oh my god, that that is twisted. But I mean, okay, okay, let's let's bring it back a little bit. But I mean, like thinking about it, if you really think about that whole situation, like imagine. Holy shit, that, that poof, blows my mind right now. But, like, imagine you are down there, and you're just like, I have an hour and a half to live. Like, shit, do you panic? Or I mean, do you just see, that's one on of your the, life? That's one of the best parts is you don't tell them how much is in the oxygen tank. It could be five minutes. It could be two days. They don't really know. And since they're sedated, they can't really wiggle, struggle. They can breathe a little harder, but it, you know, they're not going to exert enough energy to use up that oxygen too much faster. So, you know, they're just kind of down there hoping, you know, against hope that they'll be found when there's virtually no chance that they'll be found alive. Wow. That, that is definitely... That's a hard one. That, oh my god. I don't even wow. I think that that takes mine too. Like I I don't I can't even compete with that to be honest. I I I thought about it a couple of things. Um I Okay, so one of the ones that I thought and I I guess it's not like one of the worst or one of the most gruesome ways to kill someone, but I guess just like the the thought of it, you know, would be like, what if, and this is like, I guess, a long period to kill someone, but it's just like, what if every single day, you know, you slowly poison someone, you know? So just like little by little, not enough for it to be detectable, you know? But in in like their bloodstream or like blood system, um. But it's just like, what if in like three years time, you completely poison someone to the point where they turn into a vegetable? It's it's doable. Um, it depends on it. it if you could get away with it, it would be a very gruesome way to do it. Um, the problem is the amount of times they'd end up visiting the hospital, people would eventually get suspicious. I mean, it would eventually get suspicious, but it's like I said, it wouldn't be detectable. So I feel like in that situation, they would just be like, we don't know what the fuck is going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they, they would want to diagnose it, but they just, they just can't. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one as long as you don't get some 
Doogie Howser type that uh I guess that you would just ha- you would have to be a really good I mean <sighs> I guess that one's harder because it's just like okay what if you're a good ass pharmacist and you know then but I feel like then they would catch on because then it would be like okay the wife or the husband is a pharmacist so maybe they know like how much exactly to give but then also I don't know I feel like it would you would have to really hate the person <laughs> oh yeah killing sure. um not only that but knowing that you're gonna have to you know deal with that person for that long um but then also how much research you need to have to know yeah what it's gonna do to that person because i mean if because here's the thing also it's just like if it's something that would essentially you know, cause problems to their heart or their lungs or stuff like that, you know, I feel like the likelihood that they'll be stuck at the hospital, you know, and they would recover is high. So it's just kind of like you would have to really research the poison and really understand what it's doing to their body to get away with it, you know? Mm So I don't know. That's... But yours, like I said, is probably the best one that I've I've heard in a really really long time. That that one blew blew me away definitely. It ticks all the boxes because you're trapped inside of yourself. So claustrophobia, despite being in a uh, like an open place, it's gonna be completely dark. There's no lights, so you won't be able to see what's happening. You'll just know you're surrounded by water. And you'd even know what else is surrounding you. Oh, my God. Prophecy and people, on. I mean, I would probably say if you gave people the option to burn to death or drown, I'd say a majority of them would pick burning to death. So True, true. I would rather burn to death because, I mean, it's going to be painful. I mean, both of them are painful, but, like, I don't know. I don't know. Just Take death. less than two and a half hours. <laughs> true, true. Uh, okay. Moving on from the the dark thoughts. <laughs> so the last segment that I like to wrap this podcast with is called, obviously, the name of the podcast, Talking in Latina. Um, so every week we get to teach the people in Los Santos something in Spanish. Obviously, you will tell me what you want them to learn, but then I'll translate it for you. Um, it can be easy as just a word or a saying, a sentence, you know, just something that, you know, can, you know, it can be the overall theme of this of this week's podcast, or it can also just be, you know, just something that you randomly are curious about. But, Christina, what is something that you would like them to learn today? How about the phrase, take care of yourself and each other? Take care of yourself and each other. That's That's a good one. So, in Spanish, cuidar is kind of like that that word of just saying, like, taking care of. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like this, like I said last week, or, you know, there's, like, the feminine, whatever, the masculine um, way to say things. But there's also the personal. So, it's like, cuidarme or cuidarte. So, it's like, te means, like, is it in some way saying you? So it's like the way I cuidar or cuidarte is like taking care of you or cuidarme, taking care of me. Um, so, pero, but cuidarse is like taking care of. And then it's like si mismo. So it's like myself y a los demás. And that's los meaning others. And so it's pretty much saying like cuidarse a si mismo y so it's like taking care of you and everyone else so okay i like that yeah all right so that that was very exciting i honestly love this part this, this episode this episode was actually really interesting it really was was a unique one um but it was one that i was definitely looking forward to but before we go christina where can everybody find you? I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knows where to find you now. But where can everybody con- like find you? And where and how can they contact you? Uh, I will generally put up a Yellow Page ad when I'm awake that has my number and uh, 
for texts and calls should you need an appointment or just want to talk to somebody. You can also email me. Uh, just email Christina Kane, and I will respond as soon as possible. Perfect. So now you guys know, uh, yellow pages, all that. But y'all, y'all already know. Please, please help me help her, and just motherfucking go to Parsons and drag her ass out of that fucking gate, please. Please. Good luck. It's, it's usually locked. <laughs> Jump over the motherfucking fence. So find something to drag her ass out of that building, please. You guys will help me and you guys will definitely help her. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming to to talk to Madina. Um obviously it was a mandatory for you, but <laughs> <laughs> um I definitely want to say I enjoyed it and for everyone else, I look forward to um seeing you guys next week. And other than that, have a great day and see you guys next time. Adiós.